Right then, let's go. Today's diary episode of the Tormon podcast, which whilst we're over here in not so sunny Sydney for the last uh, day or so, a bit rainy Sydney, uh, has grown to uh, five round the table, which is uh, absolutely wonderful. I'm delighted to be joined by the same crew as yesterday. Uh, we have Mr. Ryan Sipple, my regular co-host on this wonderful podcast. Uh, we also have WFA Chair, Mr. Dean Williams. Our Raven reporter, Mr. Greg Baxter. And the voice of Power Chair Football, Mr. Tony Jackson, all the way from Arizona. So it's wonderful to have you all here. Have you all had a good day, Greg? I've had a very busy, but another very enjoyable day, I think. We asked if yesterday, I think we said if any, today is like 50% of what yesterday was, we'd be very happy. If not that, and so much more. Yeah, I'd say we had at least 25% more today. Um, lots of drama, lots of uh, excitement, lots of heartbreak. It was an exciting day. Ryan, how was your day? Absolutely fantastic. The fans, the passion, the football, this World Cup competition does not cease to amaze me every time I walk through the doors of the Key Centre. Dean, how was your day? Yeah, shout out to the, the attendees from the local schools today. I thought they made a tremendous difference. And if, if Australia as a host nation weren't playing, of course, they adopted various other teams who went for the tournament. So the noise, I thought, was electric. But apart from that, again, early stages for me as chair of the WFA, but still picking up the, the, the quality and almost like being mesmerised by the quality of the power chair footballers that are on display during this World Cup. I think the, the, the crowd today did make a, a yeah. big difference and they were in early as well so the, the key set was rocking from uh, well before kickoff of the first game. They, as you say, they, they quickly adopted uh, other nations and nations quickly realised this so uh, it was a race to get flags to the, the school kids and get them teaching and learning the, the chants of the various countries. Um, I think Denmark were the first to come oh, on. I think, I think they dealt with it really well. Yeah, there will be more of them tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we had a, a, just over 1,000. Yeah, 1,200 tomorrow. 1,200 tomorrow. I think, yeah, yeah. so I think we're, uh, we're in for a, a loud day tomorrow. Possible, all of us. How was your day, Alex? My day was good, actually. Um, I enjoyed my day a lot. I saw some good power chair football. Um, but most of all, all tech worked. There was no little bug fixes to this today, so we were all very happy. Ironed out a lot of the stuff over the last two or three days. Ryan's about to tell me there's one or two, but no, no. I was going to say, from your end, it was all covered. It was actually uh, something out of your hands due to the uh, connection with the broadcasters, which meant uh, Charlie McClellan and I missed the first three or so minutes of the Northern Ireland France game. But apart from that, fairly faultless, I would say. But crucially, we didn't lose any goals from our live streams. No, we didn't. So uh, that was good. And um, a big shout out to Jack Humphreys for all his support uh, and work as well on all the tech side of stuff. Sadly, isn't in Australia with us uh, this time round, but it does mean that he's free to bug fix during our night and his day. Um, and he's done a sterling work uh, for us and, and fixed lots of stuff. So uh, big shout out to Jack. Well done, mate. We, uh, well done, Jack. We're gonna try and bring you some swag back and some bits and pieces. Um, I suppose we better get on with reviewing the matches as we, uh, we do in these episodes. So let's start with uh, game 15, which is the first game of the day. Game 15 of the tournament, but game uh, first game today. 
on the of oh, 16 I believe, probably 16, uh, which was Uruguay versus Denmark. Uh, 10 o'clock kickoff on court A. Who caught this one? Don't look at me and Tony, we were on the other court. Oh. Teo Pelletieri, I believe, was on the call for that one, was he not? Or? Yeah, I believe so. It was indeed, I was doing the graphics so I can tell you all about the, the game. It was a reasonable game of football. The atmosphere was amazing, but it wasn't the best game of power chair football we've had this this uh, this tournament. But because of the crowd involvement, the tense nature of the decisions of the uh, the play made it a very compelling spectacle to watch. Uh, but I wouldn't say the football was the highest quality um, we've ever had. And yeah, Denmark uh, notched nicely. Uh, good goal near the end. So. Good start for Denmark for today. Um, see how the rest of their day goes later on as we get get to it. But yeah, Denmark looking okay. Uruguay, cut frustrating figures at times. Again, um, worth noting was this the one that Francisco Wild was suspended for? I was just about to say that. Yeah, I was. believe so because he was suspended he got in the Australia game, of course. The so, last match of the day. so as we are recording this, we've just uh, announced. The team of the day for which Francisco Wild featured so obviously had an influential uh, impact in Uruguay's second game but shows that without him he's uh, the side is much weaker yeah and I, I did get to commentate on his on the second Uruguay game and at one point I find myself saying uh, Wild by name and Wild by nature yes. in his driving he is frenetic and uh, doesn't stop, lots of energy, um, and occasional bits of contact. But that's you know that's the driving style, that's the playing style. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think they did miss him uh, this morning. Everything looked a little bit flat, struggled to penetrate, um, and yeah. I just think it was one of those key games where, obviously last night we all gave our predictions of who we thought get that fourth spot. You're starting to see the teams emerge that are going to fight for that fourth spot, and that was one of those games that, well, didn't go the way me and Dean were planning on. Giving me back to Uruguay last night. But our Denmark predictors over the uh, in the corner, they're uh, they're quite happy with themselves, I'd imagine. <laughs> Big smile from Mr. Tony Jackson. Uh, let's move on to uh, game seventeen, which was Republic of Ireland versus USA. Yeah, it was Greg and I were on the call for that match today. Um, again, the USA came out. I, I think I mean, we talked about this last night. And I'm going to touch on it again for just a moment. I think there are heavy expectations for what we consider the top three teams in this competition: France, United States, England. And I think, really, if I'm fair, France are really the only team so far to really meet the expectations placed upon them. The United States won this match against <coughs> Ireland, two nil. But it didn't feel clean. It didn't feel crisp. There, there wasn't enough of that clinical precision that we might see during their warm-ups or that we expect of them. Um, Ireland held their own. But once again, Ireland are having all kinds of trouble trying to generate any offense. They have not scored a single goal through three days of competition. And that, that we see later on as well in their, when we look at their second game. Um, but... I, th I think they've they look brighter today, but still 
didn't quite create that chance. I think from a US point of view, and Tony and I touched on it in commentary, they came in to the half at 2-0, and it was, again, two set pieces, and I would never tire of saying, the United States are lethal from set pieces. It's a joke how good they are. It was an opportunity for the US to get some goal difference in and try and stamp their authority and make a statement and say, look, we know there's been some doubts, we know we've not hit the mark that we expected ourselves, but here we are. And Tony, would you agree they, they didn't quite manage that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And we can touch on this a little bit more later on when we talk about the France-USA game to end the day. But um, it, it, there's just something not quite right about the way they're playing. And I could talk for an entire episode about why, because I have my thoughts and my theories. Um, I'll touch on it for just a moment, but I don't think there's enough passing. There's not enough ball movement away from to, to get the players moving, to get the defense moving. Um, I don't want to touch too much on it because I know we have other games to cover, but it's still very much a traditional style of power chair football that we've seen for years where there's a lot of dribbling and then when the, the attacker gets stuck, then you pass the ball out instead of passing the ball before the defender gets there. And it's, it's causing the problems for the U.S. right now. They're not able to generate offense through the run of play. You mentioned there is a very traditional way of playing the game. Of course, the goalkeeper... Is the goalkeeper is rarely involved in any sort of play other than blimey the ball's gone towards our goal can you stop it and put it out or maybe just hold it up I noted in their opening game or a couple of days ago against Australia when they capitalised on the mistake the Australian ball made head coach Tracy said that's why you don't bring the keeper out as if almost to say as a warning shot to see teams like England that bring and very much a heavy reliant on that throughout system to say, this is why we do what we do. But since then, you see, in the warm-ups, they whack it around brilliantly, there's power, there's pace. They go into a game and they're suddenly, we're gonna dribble, we want the set pieces. And I can understand why when they're so good at them, but you saw them come unstuck against France yesterday. Surely if they're gonna have serious ambitions of winning this, They've got to go out and say, look, we're going to have to outpass, you'd say France, because they are the favourites. Good points, I think, on, on how the US is set up and how they're playing. It's interesting that head coach Tracy Mayer Correct. Is, uh, is, is against that as a principle. That sounds uh, like a, a philosophical Kind of well, when you watch power chair football in the U.S., you do see that the majority of the teams do still employ a traditional style. You'll see some that do maybe, I'll say, a, a false th four up or whatever, where the goalkeeper is not only the, the goalkeeper, but also the center attacker, and you'll have your weak player anchoring down in the goal area. Um, you'll see that a lot, but you won't see a true four out um, it, almost anywhere. Now I will shamelessly say that I'm trying to do that with my team at home, but um, other than that you really won't see very much of that. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, just a point of interest. <coughs> I heard my favourite player, as we all know, Zach, Zach Dickey, um, two or three times now over the course of the, the tournament, I've heard him shout Boomstick. Is he shouting at Peter Winslow? Is that his nickname? I, I believe that's his nickname because of the power <laughs> that Pete Winslow generates. And, We'll talk about it later. The goal he scored today, we've talked about it in a few minutes. Incredible. You noted 
you say we love Zach Dickey because he's so charismatic. He enjoys his power chair football, and I spoke about that on commentary when he came off for the first time. Interestingly, Tracy Mayo, at one point during the game against Robert did say to him, I can't hear you. Like, are you in, like, enjoy yourself. It was almost as if we kind of jinxed him, because he came on and was quite reserved, I thought. I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that I, I think, and you know, and this is just me speculating, Team USA are not producing the way they expected themselves to produce. And I think there's a little bit of pressure now internally within the players themselves, and that's certainly not from the coaching staff or anything, to perform at a higher level that they expect. And they're not reaching it at the moment. Interesting, interesting. Right, let's move on. Game uh, 18. Argentina versus Northern Ireland. I don't want to turn this into the Tony Greg podcast, but this was us again. Take it away then, gents. Unbelievable match. And it was it was the shock start that nobody expected. Northern Ireland comes out, scores the first goal of the match. And and from there it was it was really kind of uh, how, does, how is Argentina going to come back? Because you always felt like they were going to come back. But throughout the match, they were trying to generate scoring chances, and nothing was happening. Northern Ireland, I'll say it, just completely playing out of their minds this entire tournament so far. Um, Greg, we can talk about how the match ended in, in a moment, but Northern Ireland has been the most impressive team outside of France for me so far just because of, of what they're coming to the tournament with in terms of experience, in terms of players. They're, they're, they're just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those games that, um, sorry, uh, it was one of those games that just, if you had expected goals, I think that's maybe the next development we need in power football, the stats, expected goal stats. At half time, Argentina would have had one and a half, Northern Ireland would have had 0.1, I think something like that, and Northern Ireland were winning. There was a big, big miss by Eber Lopez, just missed for Northern Ireland to the lead, and we mentioned on commentary that that was a turning point. The goal was, very rarely did you see a direct free kick score from your own half. I have no idea, I think Kamiski went to, so Hedda took it, had a shot straight at the goal, Kamiski went to hit it, and I don't think he dummied it, he just missed it, and it threw off Uretti, and there wasn't exactly loads of power on it, you know, it just was accurate at the corner, and just trickled in. And it kind of shell-shocked Argentina, because they battered Northern Ireland the entire game, but just couldn't put the, the ball in the net. And it just, that was the same process for the entirety of the second half, right up until the 41st minute when a very unfortunate own goal went in and it just it was we're unbiased but i was very hard to see how dejected the northern island players were after that went in because it's just luck isn't going their way at the minute i don't think and i'll say this again i said it last night and i'll say it again northern ireland are here to win matches they came in not expecting to just lay down and pad the stats for the other teams. They came in fully expecting to win matches. And 
that's why they were so gutted today at the end. And in fact, Coach Michael Hillen kicked a chair out of frustration because they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. They really did. And, and it's unfortunate because it was a simple mental mistake at the end of the game. And I went up to them after the match when all of us were together. And I told Scott Hillen, I said, I told Michael Hillen first, that goal happened because of experience. A more experienced player would have been able to remain calm in that moment and probably save that ball from going over the line. Are we not seeing that be a reoccurring theme across this World Cup? Goals of significance being scored late on in the games, if not past the regulation 20? Multiple goals. I mean, Abdullah Karim yesterday saved Australia with a last moment goal. We've had a lot of late goals and uh, a lot of um, last-minute action that's been really significant as well, even where we've had goals missed or saved or um, uh, that have gone very close. We've had a lot of uh, dramatic ends to games. You mentioned right at the very beginning the atmosphere that we've created by the local school children. I have never known a pre-match atmosphere like the one ahead of Argentina or Ireland. The Argentinians were the first ones to get to the school children in this game. And there was a hundred children chanting Argentina. It was fascinating. And I said to the Northern Ireland staff, and Ryan, you'll agree with me here, it was it felt like an atmosphere that young Ruben Walls would have thrived in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Young so Ruben Walls is one of the young up-and-coming development players in Northern Ireland who Greg, I, Alex and I all had the pleasure of watching in a recent uh, European-based competition and uh, I think I mentioned it on commentary, I had the pleasure of watching Northern Ireland's game against France and there's definite quality there. Just prior to start pressing record on this evening's episode, uh, we was raving about Patrick Comiskey as being such an influential member of that Northern Ireland squad but to know that they've got players back home uh, itching and waiting to break into the senior side is really encouraging for them. And on a final note on that game, uh, the volley of the chair, fortunately was very accurate because I was only about a metre away from it um, and it would have uh, landed on me otherwise. Interestingly, didn't get carded for that, I don't know if that was missed by the match officials but did not get a card today. Uh, very few cards today as opposed to yesterday compared to yesterday there was uh, considering there was how the Argentina bench was screaming at the officials the entire match it's surprising that more cards were handed out and I, and I will say today the Argentinian coaching staff were still screaming for the two-on-one we could talk an entire episode about what I mentioned yesterday coaching or excuse me playing styles versus officiating styles clashing at this World Cup the tension in that game was it was powerful. Tony and I was sat in between and it felt like a war was going to break out. The moment that Argentina had their, equal, their an equaliser ruled out with five minutes to go, I thought it was all just going to kick off. The passion, when you say this, that's that key word, passion, they have is just inspirational. So, can I remember exactly how many cars were yesterday? 17 yellows, three reds, 20 in total. And how many cards do you reckon we had today? I would say three, four, 12, five. 
prize goes to Mr. Dean wow. Williams. Just, just the three, three cars today. Compared to the 20th yesterday. Indeed, yes. Well, tomorrow we've got Uruguay, Argentina, and Northern <laughs> Ireland versus Republic of Ireland, England versus the USA. So if we don't beat that tally, I'll be incredibly disappointed. <laughs> disappointed? Yeah. Well, with the, well, with the fine system in place, I mean. Uh, so let's move on quickly. We need to get through some of these other games. At the same time as uh, that one was taking place, a little uh, battle taking place over on Court B between two countries. Uh, one was called France, one was the other one's called England. <laughs> I think they might have met a couple of times before. Um, I was actually doing the scoring for the uh, uh, Court A uh, between Argentina and Northern Ireland, but fortunately, because we do it on mobile devices, I was able to stand in a position where I could kind of see both both games about what was going on and keep an eye on on both. Um, Ryan, talk us through the uh, France-England game. Yeah, clash of the power chair football titans, uh, FIFA world champions versus EPFA European champions on court B. Uh, I have to say, I haven't been that nervous to commentate a game ever. So how uh, the players felt for both France and England must have been extremely they must have been incredibly nervous but no a brilliant game i have to say more on the behalf of world champions france he just came out the traps at a million miles an hour shell shocked england in the opening five minutes converting twice both coming from momo galami and england didn't really know how to uh, adjust to try and prevent the potent attack of France. Full credit to Brian Weiss. The first time I've actually watched France or commentated France at this World Cup and to watch him in person, to commentate on his influence within that side was an absolute pleasure. We obviously know John Bolden so well and what he means to the England team. I saw that with France and Brian Weiss. Interestingly, it was noted by Charlie McClellan on commentary. Obviously, later in the game, Momo Galame would go on to score his hat-trick. But in the lead-up to the England game and in France's previous three, Momo Galame got a hat-trick in each. Four consecutive hat-tricks in the 2023 Fit for Power Football World Cup, which, if that doesn't epitomise why he is one of the most incredible players anywhere in the world i don't know what will but yeah in england shell-shocked in the opening five they adjusted brilliantly i must say uh that partnership in defense between john bolden and chris gordon very busy for the majority of the game uh unable to really break the lines it was only when ed common was introduced for dan mcclellan that they had one or two opportunities at goal which they will be frustrated they didn't convert and and late on in the side in the tie sorry um when trying to push up to half the deficit it was it, momo galame scored his third so a lot uh, of positives i think from england if they can remove the first five minutes out of consideration a very tight game overall did momo galame not scored something crazy like 19 goals in Five games. He's, cur he's currently top of the goal chart with 13 goals across Fa France's 
five games. So he scored the four consecutive hat-tricks and a single goal against Northern Ireland earlier today, which is absolutely unprecedented at this level. We speak about the fact, I think Tony mentioned it yesterday, the level from the top to the bottom is the smallest it's ever been. We're seeing teams such as Northern Ireland competing at their first Powerchair Football World Cup come here with the intention of winning games. So the fact Momo Galami can maintain that impressive quality despite the increase and improvement in every single nation competing is amazing. I, I, I mean, it's a game, game that I watched, it's a game that I was looking forward to, it's a game that I would have been, of course, an English fan. Uh, but in terms of looking at football purity point of view, been mentioned already on several occasions and that I didn't know that record Ryan that's that's an extraordinary record from Momo his performance I just thought was sensational absolutely sensational so I, I think again we have a lot of quality players I think from the first moment he stamped his authority on the game I actually thought that Brian could could play a more of a subdued role in that game because of the quality that Momo was showing for it and, and of course it does France a slight disservice by just talking about the player that we keep talking about, but he was sensational in that game. Um, and he set the tone right from the start, didn't he? A bad start went even worse after five, whatever it was, five or six minutes. I thought England then got to grips with it a little bit, but I would call it containment more than anything else. Um, so actually, if you think about the breakaway goal for Momo's hat-trick towards the end, if you think about what's happening in that game in England, trying to get back in the game, the containment was strong in terms of after that initial blip at the start of it. But of course, then you're looking for something quite special to get back into a game against an awesome team. Uh, and, it, and it never, if I'm honest, it never looked like that was going to materialise at all. I think they'll take heart because they'll have to pull belief from this. They'll take heart from the fact that in the European Championships that England went in to win, the reality of that is they lost 3-0 uh, in the opening stages before and then beat France in the final. And I, I think when you're looking for a belief that runs alongside a defeat like that, then ultimately that's something they'll look for. The other thing I said to Greg, actually, um, when we were just chewing the cut about the game and, and France and England and how the teams played, we talked about learns, didn't we, Greg? And, and I was suggesting that there's limited learns from France in that game, but there's a lot that England can take from it in terms of analysing it and working forward for hopefully what is a, a, another match-up later in the tournament. I mean, you mentioned the similarities between what is happening and transpiring here and what transpired in Finland four years ago. I spoke with Colin Gordon about this. It is, we're almost getting a sense of deja vu. I don't know if that's my English bias creeping in slightly, but I know for well having been in that squad in Finland that that defeat to France in the group stage, they went, we went away, we did a lot of work with um, the psychologist on pressure and how we deal with that. We did a lot of video work on looking at the French tactics and how we can best exploit that to work to our advantage and I have no doubt that that is the same process that will happen now for England over the next few days ahead of what will be a rematch in a potential final should they make it there. Yeah certainly a fixture that we could see replicated later on in the, the tournament either at semi-final or potentially final stage depending how the draw works or lands and how semi-final results then play out um, but that uh, interesting game our next game uh, Australia Japan uh, a noisy game not one I got to see much of but I could hear the crowd 
Who was uh, anyone on that one? Teo Pelletieri, I believe, was also on the call on that game. Um, I watched a little bit of that match from behind the goal area, and um, it was a back and forth match all the way through. If I remember correctly, the final score was a 1-1 draw in that match. Um, there weren't a lot of chances on either side for for Australia or Japan. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly when the goals were scored. Both teams have struggled mightily in this World Cup. Um, and you saw it here with a 1-1 draw. I don't even think Australia... They, they haven't been able to play the way they were expecting to play, especially as the host country. Japan on the other side, who finished fifth at the last World Cup, certainly having a disappointing showing so far here. Um, Greg, maybe you can help me out. Maybe Ryan can help me out. I don't think Japan have won a game yet in this competition at all. No, of the five games they've played, they've drawn three and lost two. Um, just the three goals for, so not really having that potency in attack that we're seeing from other sides um, and the 12 goals against. So, uh, no, they've, they've really struggled. I think they had difficulties with selection today with uh, a number of players unavailable. So, no, yeah, a really tough uh, day for them. On competition thus far, uh, I don't see where that win can come for them currently. No, I don't know either. And, and now recalling the rest of the match, Josh Merkis ended up scoring late in the game for Australia because Japan were in the lead for quite a long time. And Josh Merkis comes in towards the end of the match, scores the equalizer to pull them back in. It, Japan simply cannot catch a break right now. They have solid players. It's just they're not able to link together in, in a sustained attack, which has been a huge problem for them. And actually, if I'm quite frank, a huge problem for all the teams at the bottom of the table. But we're talking about Japan at the moment, who again finished fifth at the previous World Cup. So it, it's kind of a shock to see them struggle so mightily here. Yeah, I mean, if you reference the table, they face Northern Ireland tomorrow morning. Uh, on paper, you would probably say that's their most credible opportunity of getting some points on the board or that elusive win. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see in that one, that's followed by a game against Argentina, who had a brilliant day today, who have gone up in a lot of people's ex expectations. Sorry, And I know we sat around this table uh, yesterday evening and all predicted who we thought may uh, finish in that fourth spot, assuming, of course, that France, United States and England finish in first, second or third. Um, so Argentina have put themselves in with a shout, as have Uruguay. Australia are keeping a steady trajectory in the right direction. So uh, we will see when the, when the uh, tournament kickstarts once again tomorrow. We're only at the halfway point with reference to the round robin stage, which Indeed. is incredible. Indeed. And, well, the thing I will say, we've talked a lot about Japan in this match. The thing that concerns me about Australia is they are and I want to say relying, but they are consistently pulling out draws in the final moments of matches. Abdullah Karim yesterday, twice for Australia, scored late goals to draw level. And today, again, Josh Marcus today scored a late goal to pull them level. 
And so uh, Australia, they're relying too much on late game theatrics to keep them in their current position within the table. Yeah, so following that one, we had the Republic of Ireland take on Uruguay. It carried on the Republic of Ireland's difficult start to the 2023 Fit for Power Chef Football World Cup. Alex and Greg, I believe you commentated on that. Give me your thoughts. Uh, again, we saw the continuation of Ireland's struggle to just generate any offensive momentum. I think, to be fair, in their credit, they were much better in the first half. But they just, just can't seem to generate anything going forwards. They are defensively solid. I want to credit Sean Donahue. I think he's a brilliant goalkeeper and made numerous goal line saves and has done throughout the tournament so far. But when they do concede, they're then faced with the challenge of, well, We've got to do something that we haven't done at all so far this tournament and score a goal. I think, yeah, I think that the, the, the game showed that they were, they have a plan, they have their uh, way of playing and, and, and they know what they're trying to do. It was second, third, fourth phase of play each time broke down. On occasions they had great structure, they had great... Um, field position, they got themselves into spots where they could, should and could have created a good chance. And just the final ball, just that last uh, penetrative pass, that last step of that uh, manoeuvre just failed every time. And that might have been a missed time kick, might have been a misplaced pass, might have been someone not quite in position where they needed to be. And it was just not quite ticking over for them, not quite in the rhythm that they need. Akin to the United States, again, they're another side in the warm-ups. Ping the ball around really nicely, they get great power, yet they get into a game and all of a sudden there's a lack of confidence. They are, I was talking uh, one of the Irish contingent earlier, they are almost afraid to make a mistake and so they pray, pray, they play very conservatively and within themselves. And so they are timid when it comes to passing the ball. They're not on a pace on it. And that is a fundamental passing game. You've got to get pace on the ball to make it more difficult for the defenders. It just seems to be that they need to gain some more confidence. And getting that first goal would do them the world, world of good because this is a side that finished third in the European Championships in Finland four years ago. And they are in real danger if they don't change something soon. Of finishing bottom. I think timid is uh, a good word. I think that was um, lacking lacking a bit of uh, aggression and decisiveness. Convictionised. And conviction in what they were doing. But we know they've got the quality, as you said, and we, we know they can still uh, pick up and get some results. So uh, it'd be good to see them play some good fo- the football they can, the good football they can, and uh, reap some rewards from that as well. Uh, certainly goals-wise. I will say for Uruguay today, getting that win, I mean, I talked about it yesterday, they filed a complaint with FIFA. Um, I found out this morning that there was a second letter to FIFA for another complaint because there was more action in the tunnel after the match. Um, I will not talk about it because I don't know anything about it, but I do know there was another letter. Now, 
I will say at the end of this match, the 1-0 victory for Uruguay, they were ecstatic because I think for them, it was overcoming all of the challenges that they perceive from not just the match themselves, but the other external forces supposedly working against them. And this was, for them, vindication this victory here. In fact, I could hear them screaming. Somebody caught my attention after the match, said, we did it. We finally won a match today. Um, and, and so for them, I think it's going to go a long way as the week goes on. That's good to hear that they've, uh, they've taken the match in that, that spirit and a, a bit of uh, positivity into the camp uh, as they go. But uh, a one nil win, uh, tough on Ireland, um, but good for the Uruguay. So, uh, on to game 22, uh, Northern Ireland versus France. Yeah, I had the pleasure of commentating this one, back-to-back uh, -back France games, and wow, yeah, the, this French team is their World Cup to lose. Uh, fairly uh, change, well, much change from that that started or, or finished the game against England. Uh, Northern Ireland held them for the first five or six minutes brilliantly well when you compare that to the England performance where England were 2-0 down within five minutes. Um, once again, Brian Weiss, key to most things that France do. Uh, I would say in attack and defence, but their defence uh, comprised of Sylvain Mallard, uh, untested for the majority, if not all, of that game against Northern Ireland. A huge shout out to Aurelien Felatre, who scored five goals to put himself second in the top goal scorer standard, joint on six with Valentino Zegarelli. Um, but yeah, they, they utilised all of their players uh, across the game, uh, which was great to see. They've got quality and depth which no doubt will play into their hands uh, as the competition progresses. Uh, we've mentioned that a round-robin style format means that every team has to play every other team at least once, and that doesn't even include uh, potential semi-finals or finals. So the other complementing players for the ones that take the headlines the majority of the time, Momo Galame, Brian Weiss, Irvin Konk, but uh, Tristan Le Belair did well when he came on, uh, Morgan Lefont, as well as Amni Soubigny. So, um, no, brilliant stuff from France, absolutely ruthless. You're seeing that at the top of the standings currently. Uh, no one within earshot of them, and uh, I think they have, what, plus 26 goal difference. As I said, they're World Cup to lose. I think that's certainly the case at the moment um, and we do know that there's a couple of teams capable of beating them if they can raise their standards but it's France that are setting them at the moment and that's the, that's the reality of the tournament as it stands. Um, game 23, Denmark 1, Argentina 4. The wildest match of the day <laughs> by far. A shocking result considering the way both teams have been playing up to this point. Uh, Greg and I had the honor and the pleasure of calling this match today and it started with a shocking goal from Argentina in the first minute. Greg, um, I, I watched this game 
I was I've had the pleasure of being in the stands, Tony. I was Who was I talking to in this game then? <laughs> was it was it Matt Crow? I don't even remember. I just thought you were just with me all day today. I think it was Matthew Mallows. Was it, was it Matt Mallows? Matthew Mallows. Oh my goodness. Honored, Apologies to Matt Mallows, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm honored you thought I was with you. I um, took the game off and decided um, I was going to become an honorary Dane. Uh, adorned my Danish hat and became Danish. Uh, clearly, I jinxed them. Uh, a game that saw, it, I think, it all come together for Argentina, finally. We've all expressed how um, you know, pleased we've been with their performances and how you know, surprised we've been that they have only had like zero points so far. This is the game where it all just clicked. And they've been waiting for this moment because they've had maybe a harsh bit of luck. But I mean, I, Zagarelli is some player. He's genius. He was finding gaps in this Danish defense. A Danish defense that is usually so tough to break down. He just tore them apart like a hot knife through butter run. Yeah, I've been beyond impressed with Valentino, Valentino Segarelli uh, on our Team of the Day uh, poll, which we which is currently live. Uh, at the time we're recording this, Valentino Segarelli, uh, the top voted player ac across uh, day three of the World Cup. Uh, and I think he would have been there yesterday had he not been serving a one-game suspension in one of their two games. Uh, we saw him perform so brilliantly against England and he is without question the player to watch in the following games certainly in the round robin but if they can carry on that current trajectory and momentum they're really in for a shout of that fourth spot that we talk about I've been talking about so much as being up for grabs for any one of the remaining seven teams uh, quick question then Greg as an honorary Dane did you join in with any renditions of Denmark in Australia I joined in with absolutely everything. Denmark and Australia, Viking clap, uh, is this a library, you only score, you only see when you're winning. I had the lot. It has to be said, the, uh, the, the crowd banter is increasing steadily between countries and teams as they match themselves up and it's, uh, it's uh, getting entertaining at times. I will say, for this match, and again, apologies to Matt Mellis, he did a great job today by the way. Um, doing the color commentary with me. I, I think the big difference today for Argentina was their ability, but more importantly, their willingness to pass the ball and distribute among the attacking players out there. We really didn't see very much of that in their first few games throughout the tournament. And today, we saw the Argentina side that I think most of us expected to see in this competition. Um, Valentino Tegarelli, if if I remember correctly, if I'm right, I believe he scored all four goals for Argentina today. Um, I don't know if any of you can confirm that for me, but I'm pretty sure he did. Well, he's currently joint second in the goal standings on six, so that would not surprise me at all. There were two goals in particular for me that he scored that were just classic Valentino Zagarelli. One was an absolute rocket past the defenders. The other one... He fit a 13-inch ball in a 12-and-a-half-inch space, <laughs> and it was unreal. And and as we said earlier, I think Argentina, if you look at the, the other fixtures left in the group stages, they have a real chance of reaching that fourth spot. I can confirm he did score all four goals in that game for, uh, for Argentina, so a uh, very impressive display. 
I'm curious to see how they do because I don't think based on day one and two anybody thought that they would be in this position now but Denmark still have to play the United States still have to play England I believe is that correct um, the, f- the fixtures tomorrow uh, for uh, Argentina are uh, up at 11.30 Uruguay so a big big game there for them and, and then Japan uh, later on uh, at 2.30 I know Denmark have Australia tomorrow and then Argentina finish up with Republic of Ireland on uh, Thursday and USA is their final game today. all winnable matches except for maybe the exception of the United States on paper you never know what's going to happen but with the other teams well particularly Denmark and Uruguay ahead of Argentina at the moment they have a real chance of making the semi-final uh, fabulous. So, two games left to look at. Uh, the final game on court A uh, was Japan versus the USA. Uh, USA running out 2-0 winners in this one. Uh, anyone call this game? That was me and James Mallow uh, on the call. Um, the United States, I, I really felt like this was the game where they had to make a statement. Outside of France, I don't think... Anybody else has really put their stamp on this tournament so far, especially England and the United States, two of the other favorites in this competition. And and I felt like they needed to make a statement here today. They started out strong early, scoring two goals, but they were kind of stagnant as the match went on. And Japan still can't generate any offense, but they did enough defensively to hold the United States. And the U.S. had plenty of chances to score more goals. But we saw shots that went wide. We saw shots that were placed right into the defense. And they, they just weren't able to, to bring it all together. There was more passing from the United States, which gave them more opportunities for scoring chances. But credit to Japan's defense, they managed to hold them off. Um, now, Alex, you talked about this earlier as we started the podcast. Japan were playing with three for a little while today because they only had two PF1s available and one was already on the pitch. Yeah, they've got a, a couple of players out uh, due to illness, which is it was a great shame for them. But they, they ended up with a, a chair issue, I believe, for uh, uh, Nakayama. Yeah, yeah I, I believe it was... Um, I can't remember right now exactly who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it was Nakayama. Yeah, yeah, yeah Nakayama, yeah. Um, and we were sat on the sidelines about why they're not making a, a substitution here. Uh, and it was the fourth official, Carolyn, Carolyn Bean, that somehow said they've, they haven't got any more PF1s. They've only got two PF1s available today, and both were on the pitch, and one's just come off. So um, they, they ended up playing with three. I, I wasn't sure if it was done deliberately, but during that period of time, Tracy Mayer stepped back and was like, that's hard. And, and, and wasn't quite shouting instructions to his team in the same way that he... He was earlier. Possibly a combination of being 2 0 up already, um, at, but, but also I think a little bit of sympathy for uh, uh, Japan there. And it's hard, you know, you prepare for a tournament, you bring a squad of eight over, and when two of your PF1s uh, end up not being available, and then a, th- a third one is uh, all of a sudden has to come off the pitch. And I think that was very much a, a sympathy, a sportsmanship act yes. on yeah. behalf of Tracy Mayer. It's a very big thing that you'll see in U.S. power soccer where a player may go down for whatever reason or the team is up by a lot. You will see the other team pull back a little bit and, and allow the game to go on without much urgency. That's nice. That's nice. Diane, would you agree that 
today there was an opportunity for the US and given they went 2-0 up quite early on in both games but they still feel quite disappointed that they let both opportunities slip to you know, make a statement. I think so. I, I think the US are really trying to come out and establish themselves because they are two-time former defending world champions and all we're hearing right now is about how this is France's tournament to lose. And the United States has to be sitting back thinking, well, we're still here and we're still the United States. But I don't think, you know, maybe myself included, we're not maybe giving them the respect that is due. And, and so for them to come out and, and win 2-0 or other low-scoring matches, it, it's just not, I'm not seeing it right now. Um, it's interesting, I think the US approach to the tournament um, was high energy, high expectation, um, lots of enthusiasm thrown in, and whether or not uh, Zach Dickey today was a bit quieter, as, as mentioned, whether or not the fact that hasn't panned out has actually affected him a little bit, as opposed to if they went in with a, a slightly more moderated approach, um, and det more determination and a little bit less gung-ho, whether or not they may have found themselves in a better position psychologically at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they do. It'll be day four tomorrow, and not too much time left in the group stages. As you know, it's hard to pick up your level of intensity once you start at a certain place, right? And so the question is, will the U.S. coaching staff be able to get the team's intensity level back up? Because they're going to see France or England at some point again, and they're going to need that level of intensity. Uh, moving on to one of those teams, and a demonstration of increased intensity. Our final game, Australia won England 6. Yeah, Dean and I had the pleasure of watching this from the bleacher seat in behind Court B and speaking for the four Englishmen around this table, I can say it's great to see England back to their best. Truly, they were brilliant. Uh, they found the lines and the spaces between the Australia starting four, uh, frustrated them, uh, utilised all team members uh, across the fixture. Uh, John Bolden pulling the strings in the centre, Marcus Harrison clinical in front of goal. Uh, if you wish to push me for a player of the match, I want to give a huge shout out to Ed Common, incredibly influential uh, when he was introduced to the action and uh, cap that off with a goal as well. We're speaking again to Colin Gordon before, after the uh, France game, before the Australia game, and we said, England have won games this tournament due to moments, if not put in a 40 minute performance. I think this Australia game was that 40 minute performance they've been looking for. From start to finish, they got their passing going, it was crisp, it was clean. I also had the privilege of being very high up in the bleachers. I was stood up and looking down, and you could see the position play. There was dummies to second pivot. They seemed to be firing on all cylinders. Ryan, you've just given a shout out to Ed Common. I want to give a shout out to his T-side teammate, Tyler Reeve. When he came on, the highest compliment I can give him is that there was no drop off in quality, given he was replacing Chris Gordon. He came on and it was just like, he did everything that Chris did and he just fit right in for someone at their first main tournament. Yeah, a few people that I've had conversations with around the key centre have asked 
uh, about some of the England squad. Uh, some new faces, certainly for teams that have faced England at previous tournaments. I think many, uh, I think four of the starting of the squad have travelled to the World Cup in 2017. Uh, so not many teams or players are familiar with Tyler Reeve. And when I describe him, I just say he is incredible. One of the best young players anywhere in the world. Uh, I was mentioning it to Dean when we was watching how I was so eager to see him get on. And not only that, come on with meaningful time to make an impact. Uh, when he's had cameo appearances against uh, both the Republic of Ireland and Denmark, it was the final few minutes, if not in past the regulation time in the half. He's so influential, so technically adept. He will be at the centre of England teams for many, many years to come. And he, he provided an absolutely brilliant assist uh, for one of the goals. And it was telling that the entire squad were beaming and congratulating him. So he's clearly a popular member of the squad uh, as well. And shout out for Marcus Harrison, obviously, Patrick against Australia, which was superb. I mean, I mean, I felt a bit sorry for Australia uh, because there was going to be a reaction to what happened early in the day of the France game and, <laughs> and they copped it uh, effectively. So I think that shows a lot of character from England to, to take the disappointment of what happened against France to then build on that and then put in a performance like that. And again, it's been said already, but just to echo this sentiment, it was... It was good to watch all of the players being involved in that game and, and coming on quite seamlessly and understanding what they were required to do and, and not losing any intensity at all. Sometimes when you make substitutions, the reality is it disjoints the game. It didn't do that at all. So I, I thought they were incredibly comfortable. Um, it, it's no lack of effort from Australia at all. I think whoever was going to play England after that France game, as it panned out, was going to get, going to get a reaction and a response. And I think that's exactly what we saw. Uh, Weirdly, I said exactly that to um, uh, the commentary team on the on the, the pitch, and I said, I'm "Not convinced that Australia are going to get uh, get much change out of this game. I think England are going to respond. I think they'll be yeah. very determined to to show what they can do, and they did. So the question is, is the, is that a turning point in the tournament? Are they starting to build now? Um, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. You say we'll find out tomorrow, and I move on to the preview because their opening game tomorrow morning is the US." Not just that, that's followed by Uruguay, who we're also talking about very highly as a team that is incredibly tough to break down, but uh, England versus USA always promises fireworks, and tomorrow will definitely not be an exception, exception to that. Very much uh, looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, games open uh, with Republic of Ireland versus France on court A at 10am local time here and Japan versus Northern Ireland on court B. Uh, so some fantastic fixtures throughout the day. Denmark versus Australia, Uruguay versus Argentina, which will be a highlight for many. Cannot wait. Uh, England versus the United States, Republic of Ireland versus Northern Ireland. Also a derby game there, uh, as far as internationals go. Uh, Argentina versus Japan, France versus our host Australia, uh, England against Uruguay, as mentioned, and Denmark versus USA, which could be a crucial uh, game for the placing. Yeah, beyond that opening game between Republic of Ireland and France, I'm looking at the matchups on paper. There is so many incredible games. I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say our two-on-one Powerchair Football podcast tomorrow will be filled 
with plenty of action to discuss. What's weird is we've been discussing who's going to take that fourth spot. You do realise that the reward for that fourth spot is probably going to be facing France. A semi-final against France, who are absolutely running away with it at the minute. I know, but surely it. Uh, I don't know exactly how it works, but placements will dictate qualification for the 2026 Fit for Power Chef Football World Cup. So, irrelevant of who finishes in fourth. Um, Every point, every goal matters in this tournament, which is why we're so excited about it and why fans are filling the key centre to watch the World Cup unfold. And we've seen that already with so many late goals. Teams are just not giving up because they know that to these players, this is everything. Now, I will say, I dare say, that I am the only one here at this table right now who has ever experienced parachute football in South America. And if you thought today at the Key Center was electric, I invite all of you <laughs> to come see a match in Brazil or in Argentina or in Uruguay. That atmosphere is unmatched, unlike anything that I've ever seen. Tomorrow, Uruguay versus Argentina will be a small sample of what it's really like when you have the fire and the passion from two very highly contested countries who, on paper and face-to-face, -face, hate each other. Let's just say it, they hate each other. So we made predictions last night, and given we are four Englishmen and American, do we dare put predictions down for England USA tomorrow? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so let's anyone, do it. Is anyone reminding of their predictions for the four spot, by the way? Is anyone happy that they remember who, uh, who they picked? I'd yeah. like to change mine. You can't change them. No. You can Dean and I, Team Uruguay. Happily remind you. Okay, but on the prediction of England versus USA, I'm going to say England 2, USA 1. Ooh. Tony. Tony, Tony responds. <laughs> Counter it and provide the justification. <laughs> Man. I, I think tomorrow you're going to see the United States topside all the way through. Tracy Mayer, the coach, has been substituting a lot during this competition. And I think tomorrow you're not going to see as much of that because he needs to find the flow and the chemistry within his starting floor. Who do we think we're gonna? he's going to go with? Nathan Mayer in goal, Riley Johnson with his, the Dickey bus. Zach Dickey and Jordan Dickey yeah. on the wings. I had something I wanted to talk about, which you may have done whilst I was uh, absent for temporarily. Have we ever seen a husband and wife substituted on in an international match before? Because we, we did today. That. We spoke about that. And I think this might be the very first time we've ever seen a husband-wife combination playing internationally together on the same team. Did Natalie Russo feature today? She did. Not that. Natalie Russo Dickey, I apologise. Natalie Russo Dickey. Not that, that she was uh, substituted on in a double substitution with her husband coming on, Jordan Dickey, at the same time. History in the making today. Certainly Absolutely. Not unless England wins tomorrow. Well, we'll yes, definitely yes, have it back on. Yes. Um, what's your prediction? 
Well, I was going to say two on England, but I don't like doing the same. So I'm going to say an absolute classic and say three two England. I've got splinters. Okay. In my backside, so two two for me. Fair enough. Uh, I am going for a John Bolden masterclass three nil England. Whoa! Uh, Whoa! <laughs> Love it. Can Alex. I can I change my prediction to that as well? Wait, wait a second! Wait a second! <laughs> wait a second! I have not spoken highly of my American compatriots, but I will not stand for this. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say Ed Comer will be influential tomorrow and will start and score in that game. There's my prediction. There we go. It's an additional prediction for, for Mr. Sipple. Um, I think we better leave it there before we all get run over by Tony um, <laughs> and lose a friend in the process. Hopefully, we will all be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, no one is upset enough that they're not going to uh, going to be. Uh, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you ever so much. Uh, another great episode in the bag, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Can't wait. <laughs>